Welcome to NucleCast, the official podcast of the NWA Deterrence Center. Each week, we bring you leading experts for a lively discussion on topics related to strategic nuclear deterrence. Our host is Dr. Adam Lowther, Director of Strategic Programs at the National Strategic Research Institute. The views of the hosts and the guests are their own. Well, welcome back to another episode of NucleCast. We're now in 2023. It's a new year, and we look forward to having lots and lots of episodes. Now, today, we're doing something a little different. Our guest is David Craig. Now, for those of you that know David, he is the editor of Real Clear Defense. And, of course, he is a retired Marine. Actually, he was a professional student. Joined the Marines at 30. Spent a career in the Marines, left the Marines, and then became the editor of Real Clear Defense. So he's had a a very interesting career. And today we're going to talk about writing. And for all of those out there who are folks in the nuclear enterprise, writing's an, you know, it's something that you you sometimes say, ah, that's what other people do. But David and I are going to, are going to talk today. And maybe this is something you want to think about yourself. And so with that, welcome to the show, David. Thank you so much for having me, Adam. Yeah, it's yeah. really interesting and a, and a great topic because uh, I was a reluctant writer myself, actually. Yeah, I have a feeling a lot of our listeners are reluctant writers, but they have it's such a a community of folks that have a lot of experience, and they're often, like you said, reluctant to write about that experience. So, I, give us a little bit about how you ultimately became the real clear defense editor from a practitioner's background. Well, uh, one of my good friends now, uh, was one of the lieutenants, uh, when I was Af- in Afghanistan, I think I was a gunny gunnery sergeant then maybe mass sergeant. So I was the fusion chief for second Marine division. So the ground element of Helmand province, uh, John waters and, um, he and I had a great deal of synergy while we were working in Afghanistan and we were just clicking on all cylinders, providing intel to our commanding general, uh, General Croparata, as well as our major, Major uh, Nate Crick, who's now a colonel, I believe. Um, and I had a health episode. But anyhow, I was going to retire at 20 anyhow, and my buddy John knew this. And just about a year or so before I retired, he asked me if I wanted to do this job as the editor of Real Clear Defense. And I thought, wow, that's just so outside of my field of expertise. And he said, no, it's not. And I said, why do you say that? And he said, well, we are writing one-page intel assessments every day. He said, no one writes that much. No, No one at the New York Times, anywhere, writes that robustly for that period of time. And he said, so don't think that you can't do it. Um, so I got approval to do it. So I started part-time even before I'd retired and then went full-time as soon as I retired in 2016. And ever since, and I've just been trying to sort of reach out to veterans and experts in the field of all issues relating to defense and national security, so to speak. 
and I've yeah, enjoyed it ever since. Yeah. We, we've got a lot of folks who, you know, your audience has a lot to do with sort of the, the DC beltway area. You know, that's one of the areas where you're most widely read and you get a lot of think tankers and a lot of folks who may not have the background, the experiential background to have having done all the things that they're writing about. And so if, if, if you were to make a sort of a, a plea to those out there who are performing the mission, military guys, Intel guys, all, all that broad swath of folks who actually perform the mission at, for the, for new guys, it's, we've got guys, guys at the labs, we've got, you know, in NSA folks, we've, we've got military, we've got lots of folks performing the mission. What would you say to encourage them to become writers? Uh, you know, they, they might think it's too hard, but what, what would you tell them? <clears throat> You know, that's what I would have thought initially, but it's just a matter of getting words down on paper um, and just having a coherent idea of a message that you want to get across. And uh, and it takes practice. The more you do it, the better you get. And it's really not nearly as hard as what most people might think. Now, like we, we were talking about earlier, if, you, if you're writing a novel, that's a different story. But if you're writing a, a couple pages to get a point across, say about nuclear deterrence, you don't, it's not that difficult. You just need a few solid factual examples or references, you know, to, to bolster your case and consider some counter arguments, but you know, it just has to flow just like a conversation with someone. You want to make sure that whoever's reading it, whoever's listening to you in your conversation can understand your points and where you're going with your thesis or your statement that you're trying to get across. Now for those who say, okay, I'm, I'm, I'm interested. You, you've, you've got my juices flowing. You've piqued my interest, but they say, but I don't know. I don't know how to do this. You know, I'm, what does it look like? What is the structure? What, what, if they want to come write for you, right. what would they need to do if they wanted to write, you know, an, an article for you? What does it look like? Um, you know, I, I simple, not too long paragraphs, you know, probably a couple pages at the most, um, you know, the ideal is 800 words, but I don't make people stick to that by any means, but tell me what your thesis is and come up with several arguments that help support your thesis or your statement, whatever the message is you're trying to get across, um, it could just be an infantryman trying to tell me that they like the new next generation squad weapon. Well, why do you like it? Why is it better than the M4 that we have now? You know, that's the kind of thing that people want to hear about and want to read about, you know, or if you're in the nuke field, what's the difference between a low yield nuke and, and a standard nuke, you know, yeah. and why, why does it matter? You know, if, if Vladimir Putin is going to use a low yield nuke, I don't use the term tactical. I think Matt has corrected us on that once. <laughs> Because he said, you know, and he made a good point, there's no such thing as a tactical nuclear weapon. Anytime you use a nuclear weapon, whether it's low yield, tactical, or what we have in our inventory for the most part. Strategic, yeah. it's has strategic consequences, yeah, even if it's low yield. So one of the things that I found useful in writing op-eds, because I've written a number of articles for you, is 
always having a hook to open your article. And that hook is, is what brings in readers. It's, it's to date, it's relevant. It's talking about something that just happened or something that's about to happen. And so what, any advice on folks writing hooks? Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, the big question you have to ask yourself is why does it matter? You know, if you're if you're an infantryman in the Marine Corps or the Army or, you know, even a trigger puller in special forces or anywhere or even a scientist in the lab, what do you want to tell someone in your chain of command that you should do differently? Now, if it's something really benign and it's only going to matter to your small unit, that's one thing. But if it is something bigger, that's going to impact, you know, people outside of your element or your, uh, whoever you're working for, then that might be something that you want to write about. Actually, you know, that's probably goes well beyond just your boss. This is something fundamental. That's a, could be a, somewhat of a game changer, you know? And so how do you, how would you advise folks if they're, you know, if they're looking to make something relevant and prescient for today or tomorrow, any advice for them in doing that? Uh, I mean, one good thing is just to keep abreast of what the current news is and what the, the debates are, you know, um, not, I think not enough has been written about the nuclear posture review that was just released. I mean, I don't know if they released the national security strategy, defense strategy and nuclear posture review just before the holidays on purpose so that there would be less commentary on it or because the first, of course, the first thing was the fact that they, uh, I guess it's still wrangling. I, the NDAA that was just passed, they, they included the W76, I think, didn't they? They did. But but the Biden administration wanted to cut that out. And, I, you know, if you're to understand deterrence, you understand the importance of having uh, a small nuke on a sub that's able to hit anyone in the world on short notice. Um, that's a vital element of nuclear deterrence. And that's just one small example of types of things that people could be thinking of. Um, that's big, you know, and then other things I've talked to people about, like in defense of Taiwan, someone mentioned, you know, like mining the heck out of the Taiwan Strait, you know, uh-huh. making things as painful for China t- to where they would never consider invading Ch- uh, Taiwan, you know. Yeah. Original so- ideas that maybe other people haven't heard of you know, or thought of or talked about. And this is a great opportunity. Like you mentioned the, the idea of originality. And for those who are actually out there in the field doing jobs, they're, they're able to see things that others might not be sitting, you know, in a building in downtown DC uh, or somewhere else on a staff. And so that's a great opportunity for them to bring new ideas particularly for other folks to think about. Exactly. And that's, I think that that may be something that hinders some people is that in their close knit community, they may not think it's an original idea because they all talk about it all the time. But if it's not written about, then it is an original idea that you need to get out there. Yeah. You make a good point. And I think it's a valid one for those that are involved in these very specialized fields whether it's, you know, talking about low-yield nuclear weapons or mining operations or squad automatic weapons, you know, whatever your topic. 
if that's what you do, you assume everybody knows. But in reality, 99.9% of folks don't know what you're talking about, which is an opportunity for you to inform the rest of the public. Right. And, and in fact, you know, with nuclear fusion on the horizon now, that's our breakthrough to making it scalable and, uh, you know, wide scale use may just be someone thinking outside the box to take it to that next level where we get to that point, you know? Yeah. And, and it's funny you mentioned that because on Nuclecast, we, we, we focus a lot on, the on the NNSA and on DOD and on the labs and on the sort of the the defense side of nukes, but we we also talk nuclear power and and you know small modular reactors and things of that nature. They they also have a military implication. But I and so I've started to follow the nuclear energy side a lot more because it's it's undergoing some radical changes in modern and just new designs, but I don't see a lot being written on it, particularly in the broader news media. So there, there's an opportunity there for those in that industry who may be listening to our show to, to write for real clear defense or others. Well, yeah, I mean the DOD, I think DARPA and I can't remember what other agencies are actually looking at small nuclear reactors for deployed forces to be able to use and even small nuclear reactors in space. But of course that would violate some existing treaties, I believe, but, um, but they're at least looking at those kinds of things, you know, tiny nuclear reactors, you know, have limited waste, a lot less waste than what a normal nuclear reactor would have. And, uh, yeah, the possibilities are endless, you know. And because those possibilities are endless, the opportunities to write are endless as well. Exactly. You know, someone out there that if they just read a little bit about what they did to make this last nuclear fusion reaction take place, the reason that it's significant is that the energy output actually, for the first time, exceeded the energy input to get this reaction. Well, someone, a scientist might be able to look at that and think, well, why do, why don't we try this, you know, or give yeah. them a series of options of other ways that we could approach it, but we aren't hearing from them, you know? Yeah. So if, if you were to, if I were to set, you know, somebody down in front of you, Sergeant Snuffy or, you know, scientist, you know, scientist Snuffy or, you know, pick, pick a snuffy of any flavor. And you were to say, okay, I want you to write me an article on, let's, let's just pick nuclear weapons as a topic on the, in, the possibilities of low yield nuclear weapons in Ukraine. What would you describe them sort of in a, in a, you know, in a one, two, three, four kind of way? As a, as a means to this is how I want you to write. Because a lot of people are out there and they're saying, they're, they might be listening and they're saying, this is all well and good, Adam. Uh, you guys are having a great talk. You want us to write, be creative, but tell me specifically, how do I do it? So what would you say in that step by step method to get right. people to write? Now, if it's someone that's never written, I mean, I would just recommend even just Googling the five paragraph essay. If you can get a five paragraph essay that's coherent and get you from point A to B to explain the the five W's, who, what, when, where, why, 
of why we care about your topic, then you're headed in the right direction. The second step would be is to read it to a friend. Does it make, have your, read it to your friend or have them read it and ask them the question, does this make sense and does it follow? Does A, B, and C equal D? <laughs> yeah. Does this all make sense to you? Um, does it go together? And because <clears throat> when we read our own work, we often miss things that we, you know, habits, bad habits sometimes of things that we might do wrong. But if, or if you just read it out loud, you'll also tend to identify errors that you've made or whether or not your argument even makes sense. Mm -hmm. But you always want to consider the counter argument to your, whatever it is that you're making as well. Right. So that's step one and two. Would there be a step three? Um, yeah. I mean, you know, a lot of people will re reach out to me and just give me the topic of, of what they want to write on and whether or not it was something that I was interested in or not before they even bother, you know, wasting the time writing something in its entirety. And so that that's pretty good too. I mean, I'm still in the dark on how well they write and things like that, but that's a good way to engage. Step three w would be once you think you have a finished product, that's when you want to start submitting it to places that you think might be viable. Um, but if say you're, you're a scientist, you may even want to have someone else you work with, look at it for sure. Yeah. Um, and then you want to have someone outside of your community, take a look at it as well, because they're going to be able to tell you, wait, well, <laughs> you're, you're talking amongst yourselves here. You're a bunch of grunts, you know, trigger pullers, you know, this is something that I don't get. Uh, and they can tell you how to make it a reach a broader audience as far as the way you've written it. But after you've kind of done all those things, then it's probably time to try to submit it somewhere. Yeah. And looking up any submission guidelines that for me as a writer, I, one of the first, I look for submission guidelines, you know, is there a certain link they want? Is there a certain style they want? You know, what might they be interested in? And so I try to meet that those submission guidelines, and then I find who do they want me to submit it to. Right, And then exactly. I, and then a lot of times, you know, they'll tell you, you know, wait three days, and if you don't hear from us, send it elsewhere. And I can tell you from my own experience that you're not always going to get your stuff picked up. So you got to be, be ready to, to submit it to multiple places and that's okay. It's, it's not a knock on you personally. Uh, so don't folks shouldn't, you know, get upset if their work isn't. Exactly. Up. Right. I mean, I do have people that help me. I mean, John helps part time. And then there's another guy that posts, uh, our PM update, but I'm almost a one man show. So if I don't respond right away, you know, it's not a knock against you. Um, it's just, you know, things going on at the time. And I'm so overloaded that I may have even missed your email or something. Yeah. Um, but a lot, yeah. I'm, and I don't get it, but a lot of these other outlets or something, they, a lot of times won't even respond at all. Yeah. So don't get discouraged by whether or not you hear back from people. You just have to keep trying. Yeah. yeah. Now, and, and once you once you get out there and you get published somewhere, that kind of opens the floodgates because you're much more likely to get accepted to be published in other outlets after that. 
it's now time to take a quick break in the show. And so we're talking to David Craig, the editor of Real Clear Defense, and we're talking about writing because Nuclecast is a podcast, but we want our listeners to get out there, be active, and write and share with the world your expertise. So we'll be right back. This episode of Nuclecast is brought to you by the 15th Annual Nuclear Deterrence Summit. Come join Nuclecast at the summit on February 13th through 15th, 2023 at the Hyatt Regency Crystal City, Arlington, Virginia. Industry and government experts will be discussing management of the nuclear security complex, stewardship of the nuclear stockpile, arms control negotiations, and strategic policy. Stop by the Nuclecast booth to say hello. Executive producer Kimberly Charrington and I will be there interviewing guests for upcoming episodes. You can find a registration link to the Nuclear Deterrent Summit with a 15% discount on the Nuclecast website at anwadeterred.org slash Nuclecast. Okay, we're back, and we're talking with David Craig, editor of Real Clear Defense, and we've been talking about writing, a topic that is near and dear to my heart, to his heart. And, you know, Dave, one of the things that a few years ago, uh, Keith Payne did uh, some analysis, and his folks at NIP did some analysis in which they looked at the number of articles that were written by advocates of nuclear disarmament and then those that were written by folks in the field that were proponents of nuclear modernization and a robust deterrent. And what they found was that there's about six articles written by advocates of disarmament for every one article written by a proponent of modernization and deterrence. And so in many respects, part of what I wanted to encourage our audience today in bringing you on is that there is, there's this debate that's going on out there. And by sheer numbers, those who numbers and the funding of organizations, you know, whether it's plowshares, whether it's Global Zero, whether it's Arms Control Association, Carnegie Endowment, you know, Union of Concerned Scientists, Federation of American Scientists. There's a lot of organizations producing a lot of written work that are advocating disarmament. And, and I would submit that their arguments uh, are deeply biased and not not particularly accurate much of the time. And so in you and real clear defense has been a place where advocates of modernization and those who would like to write and describe the threats that they see, that's you, you've published a lot of that work. And so at a time when in many respects, just by sheer numbers, we're, we're losing the debate. Those of us that advocate modernization and a deterrent, what would you say to folks who are saying, okay, all right, you're, you're pushing me 
and I'm thinking about it, uh, I want to write. What 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 kind of additional encouragement might you give folks? What why would this why is it important? Um. Well, the frustrating thing for me is that you know there's no way diplomatically that we're going to get everyone to disarm. Um, the, the there's a World War II documentary by Ken Burns. We were talking about his documentary on Hemingway earlier, but. His World War II one, one of the biggest takeaways for me was this Marine Corps pilot that, for the most part, during the documentary, would talk about how gruesome the war was. You know, they were dropping, you know, people, we were using napalm in the Pacific Islands. We're ki- killing all these people and all the torture and just the absence of humanity during the war. But at the at the end of the documentary, he said, unfortunately, no matter what we do, there's evil in the world and it comes about from time to time. And the only way to eliminate that evil is to eliminate it, you know, yeah. to kill it. Um, and so with, with nukes, we have adversaries or potential adversaries that have nuclear arsenals and no matter what they say or do, they're not going to get rid of them. Um, and probably I think one of the biggest problems was what we did with Muammar Gaddafi um, by taking him out after he had sort of, you know, after we dropped the bomb on his compound and a few other things, he was playing ball with us. But by taking him out recently before the Benghazi uh, situation, we sent a message to the world that giving up nukes isn't going to get you what you want. You know, they're going to come after you anyway. So that's the message that North Korea has heard loud and clear. That's the message that Iran has heard loud and clear. Um, I think the thing that as a trigger puller, you realize as a realist sort of perspective on things that the bullies and the evil in the world only know one thing. And that's a punch square in the face. Uh, they're not going to back down. They're not going to play nice. They're not going to do what you want to do just because they think it's great. You know, like even with, even though Gorbachev was a rational actor, we didn't get to the point of, of cutting down our nuclear arsenals until it was, uh, what is it? The verification process they, we had, we actually sent people to Russia to inspect all of their facilities and they brought people here and it was a long and arduous process, but I don't think we'll have that again. unless we get another person like Gorbachev and it doesn't look very likely in the near future. Yeah. So, but we don't have enough people that understand deterrence well enough, um, that understand that there's a need to have a legitimate nuclear deterrent. And that's the other thing that these adversaries know. They know what we're, what we're capable of. They know what to fear. So if we don't produce a W-76 and we don't have the full nuclear capability, then we don't have nuclear deterrence we don't have nuclear deterrence, then we don't have the overarching threat to prevent anyone from attacking us or any of our allies. You know, all of Europe and even much of Asia lives under our nuclear um, umbrella, you know, which has prevented a, 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 a lot. <laughs> I don't think people quite realize that. And so for those who are working in the field, which is much of our, our audience for a nuclear cast. What would you tell them about writing about 
these topics? You know, the people that specialize in it more, obviously more than I do, and perhaps even more than you do might have a perspective on a better way of having effective nuclear deterrent, you know, than what we've already discussed. But that's a, but having an effective nuclear deterrent doesn't mean getting rid of our nukes though. Obviously we could have fewer of them possibly. Um, but perhaps they have a better idea of, of how to create a comprehensive nuclear deterrent that's different and more modern than what we have. And that's another component that you mentioned. It's not as though these people that are pro nuke are really pro nuke. It's just that our nukes are so old that they need to be modernized just for safety. You know, there was that documentary done on Frontline a few years ago about <laughs> those nuclear incidents we had. And what was interesting is one of the gals on the panel that was a big nuclear disarmament advocate admitted at the end, though, she said, actually, we need to modernize just for the sake of safety at this point. Yeah. So, and, and we, I don't think people realize that either. And And we need people to write about it. Because the more right. we can publish, and this is part of what I would call for in for those listening to the to this podcast is we need you writing so that we can advance the ideas, we can persuade you know there are there are sides, there are folks in the disarmament community and in the the proponents of who who will never be persuaded from their position. But there are a lot of Americans out there who just don't know that much about nukes. They don't know about nuclear power. They don't know about nuclear weapons. And unless we write broadly across, you know, uh, not just in real clear defense, but in, you know, the the Kansas City Star or, you know, papers everywhere and folks read it and say, huh, I didn't know that. that that's news to me. We are going to be unable to persuade folks to support the policies and the capabilities that are in our nation's best interest. Absolutely. You know, there's probably far more experts outside of D.C. than there are inside D.C. <laughs> I, le I learned that pretty quick by making the circulating in D.C., you know, the first couple of years after I retired. I, I, I wouldn't say I was hugely disappointed, but it was. I was disappointed, I guess, in, in the lack of expertise I thought there really was in many of these think tanks and whatnot. So that should encourage many of these people out there across the country to be able to write on these topics intelligently. That doesn't mean you don't have to do your research and make a good argument, you know, uh, to support your, your thesis or your argument. But, um, yeah, I, it should open the floodgates for more people to really get involved and, and have their voices heard, I think. So we're running out of time for today's show, but I want to give you the last word. What would be that, that, that last nudge, that last bit of encouragement that you would want to give the listeners to, to send you some really brilliant articles? Well, the biggest thing, if you think you want to write on a topic, you just have to do it. Stop, stop questioning yourself. Just do you, you just have to get beyond that point and you just have to do it. That's what I had to do in my book. Sometimes it takes a friend to get you to do it. My buddy, John got me to do it. Um, 
but I think, you know, you should just do it yourself and don't, and don't take no for an answer. You know, we're, we're successful in life, not because we got turned down 10 times. It's that one time that we didn't get turned down, you know? Yeah. So you just have to get out and do it, you know, stop, stop, uh, wasting around and, uh, get your voice to be heard. All right. Well, I want to thank all. I want to thank you, Dave Craig, editor at Real Clear Defense. And I want to thank our listeners today for joining us uh, on this episode of Nuclecast. I hope you're motivated to go out there and write and to let the world know what you think and to share your ideas. And we'll we'll see you again on the next episode of Nuclecast. Thanks, David. Thanks, Adam. Well, we just had a great episode with David Craig, editor of Real Clear Defense. Now, I asked David to come onto the show because I've written a lot of articles for Real Clear Defense, and I wanted to to get his thoughts on writing out there to everybody. And it was really interesting because he one of the things that he said that I thought was this is a great way to handle it. He said, Google the five paragraph essay and then take your idea and put it into the five paragraph essay answering the who, what, when, where, why, and how. And you've got an article. And so that I, to me, I thought, well, that simplifies it. That makes it really nice, really simple and doable for those folks who might be apprehensive about writing. And so I really like that. And I think it's important for you guys, the listeners, to take David's advice and do what he said and write. Because we need your expertise. Because I know that those of you out there that listen to this show are really smart on some really important topics. And I want to encourage you. And that was the whole point of having Dave on the show, was to do just that. And so... I'll end by saying, right. This has been a production of the ANWA Deterrence Center. Our executive producer is Kimberly Charrington, and this episode has been engineered and mixed by David Grunthal. Follow the show on LinkedIn, Facebook, and Twitter at NewPodcast. Listen, follow, and review the show on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music, or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. 